Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 43 of the Building Strength Podcast. I'm your host Theo Lim coming at you on this chilly Friday morning. This is going to be a late upload for the podcast. I usually aim to get this out on Thursday so apologies for that. I did record one yesterday but I wasn't happy with how it turned out. So, second attempt today. So, hope you guys are having a solid week. If you guys are new to the podcast, this is the Building Strength Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything related to building strength inside the gym, as well as outside of the gym. So, for today's episode, we've got a training Q&A. I've got some good training questions on the docket. So, as always, if you guys have any follow-up questions regarding anything from previous episodes or today's episode, please just feel free to send me an email or DM me on Instagram. The email is theolim7 at gmail.com. Instagram is at theodore.lim. So, let's jump right in. We've got... A training podcast today. So question number one. How can I improve my front squat mobility? It's hard to get into a good rack position. What can I do to improve this rack position? It's a great question. So with front squats, it's it's a lot of wrist mobility and flexibility through the wrist and the forearm. It's a lot of thoracic mobility and stability. So thoracic mobility and stability, so that's the upper back and mid back. And I'd say one other thing that can help is the chest, um, the chest not being so tight. So just stretching out the chest, opening up the chest. So for the front squat, you're talking about a front rack position. So the elbows are high, the bar is sitting on in the rack position. That's basically the divot. So when you raise up your shoulders, there's a divot there. So in terms of improving the front squat mobility, it takes a while. I just like everything else with mobility and and strength it does take a while so definitely wrist mobility is the number one wrist mobility has to be there if not you're not going to be able to get into a good position so wrist mobility and forearm flexibility so a couple simple things you can do for that i do this a lot actually right now because I'm doing so much kettlebell work, so many pull-ups, just a lot of grip work that really jacks up the forearms. So a couple things you can do for that. Number one, classic wrist stretches. Um, Say, so for example, if you go on all fours, like a tabletop position, and then you place your hands down on the ground, with the fingers pointing towards your body. 
So imagine you're setting up for, say, a cat-cow, except you're just going to turn that. You're going to invert the hands. You're going to turn the hands towards the body. And from there, you might already feel a stretch if you're really tight. If not, all you have to do, keeping the palms on the ground, just shift your body weight slightly backwards. I'll just increase the stretch through the forearms. I find that one is super important for this. And actually another variation is just as important. Instead of putting your palms down now, so now let's go back to that cat-cow pose. So fingers are pointing forward, but now place the top of your hand down on the ground. <clears throat> so your knuckles, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> placing the knuckles down and then now the fingers are again going to point towards the body and again same thing just shift the body weight back so that those are good stretches for the wrists extensors and flexors i think that will help a lot because that does play a big role in how comfortable the rack position is oh one other thing sorry let me clear my throat right here <clears throat> I just uh, just had some awesome just had an awesome steak sandwich from Nova Era. Had an awesome coconut bun. I couldn't resist the coconut. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's a bun. There's coconuts on top. Oh my god. Like coconut shredded. Anyway, back to the question. Sorry. So, in terms of the rack position, you don't have to have all fingers on the bar. So what I, I actually do, because my wrist mobility isn't that great, I only have two fingers on the bar. All the other fingers are kind of just, they're just there. So that's another thing to keep in mind. I think as your mobility increases through the thoracic spine, through the wrists, you'll be able to put more fingers on the bar. So let's go to... Stretching the chest. Stretching the chest always helps, not just for this, but for everything. Two of my go-to chest stretches. Number one, the classic chest stretch on a rack. Place your arm above 90 degrees. Put your elbow on the rack, forearm on the rack, and kind of just create a stretch there, right? That's a classic one, but I think a better one are band dislocations. So that's with a band. You can also use a broomstick, but I like the band because then it allows you to pull it apart a bit. So picture you holding a band in front of your chest, kind of like your barbell bench pressing, right? Take a nice deep breath, elbows stay locked, and you're just gonna come all the way around from the front of your body to the back of your body. So that's a really good chest opener as well. Hits the shoulders quite nicely too. So that's a good option for that front rack. Lastly, we got the thoracic mobility and stability. There are a couple things you can do. Actually, you know what? I'm going to, in the show notes, <clears throat> I'm going to link you guys some videos for the wrist mobility, for the dislocations, and lastly, for the thoracic mobility. So I'm going to link a bunch of videos there. Go and watch those if you're looking to improve the front squat. Basically, thoracic mobility. I'm trying to think of some examples here. And I don't... It's hard to describe. 
without you guys actually seeing it. So, all in all, wrist mobility, wrist flexibility, thoracic mobility and stability, and then of course, opening up that chest. So that's the front squat mobility. Question number two, how low should I go on Romanian deadlifts? And what are common mistakes you see? All right, I like this. So Romanian deadlifts, how low should you go? I get this a lot, like, should I go to the ground? Should I, should I just go below my knees? Should I go mid shin? Usually that mid shin area is a sweet spot for the Romanian deadlift, but everyone is gonna be slightly different. <clears throat> it's gonna depend on your hamstring flexibility. So how you can see that, how you can test that is, if you set up for Romanian deadlifts, just do it without the bar. Slight bend in the knees, strong upper body, big breath, and start pushing the hips back, right? So you start pushing the hips back, you'll feel the stretch in the hamstrings. Keep feeling it, keep feeling it, keep going. At a certain point, your hamstrings are gonna be screaming because it's gonna reach that max stretch. That right there, the max stretch, that's about the sweet spot right there. Because if you try to go lower and you don't have the flexibility for it, you're gonna have to compensate either by squatting down, which we're not really looking to do because it's a Romanian deadlift. So you either have to bend the knees a little more and end up squatting into it, or you have to compromise your upper back and, and lower back by reaching for the ground. So then you lose tension in that upper body, your shoulders round forward. So in terms of how low to go, Test out your hamstring flexibility by doing the Romanian deadlift, and you're gonna feel it. Uh, common mistakes here. I mentioned a couple, like trying to go too low is a really common mistake. So ending up squatting into it, or ending up rounding the shoulders forward, or rounding the lower back. I'd say those are, go, trying to go too low is a very common mistake here. Another mistake, not just for the Romanian deadlift, but really for strength training, not bracing hard enough. I can't express the importance of bracing the core enough. Like bracing the core is the foundation of strength training. If you're not bracing the core, I don't care how good you think your technique is, your technique will not be as good as it can be. So brace the core. Okay, moving on from that one. <clears throat> Man, there's... Sorry about that, guys. Okay, number three. Is it safe to do pull-ups with tennis elbow? Great question because I've actually experienced the early stages of elbow tendonitis slash tennis elbow because if you've been following along, you guys know that I've been doing daily pull-ups and it's been like 45 days now, closing in on two months. I don't know if it's the pull-up itself. I don't really think I'm doing other things that could jam up my elbow like that. So going back to your question, 
Is it safe to do pull-ups with tennis elbow? It really depends. As always, you should be asking, you should be thinking about what are you doing to what are you doing to alleviate the tennis elbow, the elbow tendonitis? And what yeah, what steps are you taking to resolve that issue? Because just because it's there doesn't mean that it's gonna, it has to stay there. You can do something about it. So, as I said earlier, I have experienced a little bit of tenderness in that elbow. And if anyone's ever had like elbow tendonitis or knee tendonitis, it's not fun at all. And someone actually asked me about this yesterday and I told them, address it as fast as you can. Because once that elbow tendonitis is full-blown elbow tendonitis, everything's going to hurt when you try to lift, right? So I experienced a little bit of tenderness in my elbow and immediately what I did, you can kind of scour around your forearm or your bicep or the tricep as well. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Scour around the forearm, kind of where it where it inserts into that elbow or like the meat beside the elbow. Same with the tricep, that general area. Scour around there because, because um, you're gonna find some tenderness. So use your thumb, put a bit of pressure in there. Usually that tricep might be holding a bit of tension. I'm pressing into mine right now, oh, it's gross. And then also into that forearm, lots of tenderness in there. And you, there are a couple things you can do here. You can massage it out. So self myofascial release using a lacrosse ball, using your thumb. In the past, I've also like laid a barbell down on my forearm and kind of just tried to relax the forearm. So you can do that. You're basically, you're getting the gunk out. So that's an option. Another option is um, wrist, just like with the front rack, wrist mobility or wrist flexibility. Just stretching out the wrist will help a lot. Stretching out the wrists, that might help you. So number one, rolling or massaging out the forearm or the tricep. And then stretching the wrists, number two. Number three, I found number three is strengthening the extensors of the forearms. So if you look at the forearms, <clears throat> if you put your palm up in the air and you touch your forearm right there, that's the big meaty part, right? Those are your flexors. Those are generally quite strong because they do a lot of grip work. We do a lot of gripping when we're training, right? So flip your hand around. Now the palm's facing down and the top of your forearm those are your extensors, forearm extensors. These are generally a little weaker than the flexors. So in addition to being the forearm, in addition to the forearm actually being tight, if the extensors are weak, that can play a role in uh, really crunchy and gross feeling elbows. So make sure you strengthen the extensors. And one way I like to do this is you can get a small rubber band and put all your fingers together. 
place that rubber band around the tips of the fingers just where that like first knuckle is and what you just do you just splay open your hand you'll feel those wrist extensors working close it back up and open it up again so you're just doing reps there you can also do some holds as well so in terms of elbow tendonitis massaging it out stretching it out and strengthening the extensors so in terms of doing pull-ups is it safe because you have elbow tendonitis or tennis elbow well my general recommendation is not to make things any worse so if you do pull-ups and you know that it's gonna make your elbows feel worse then don't do pull-ups there are a multitude of options you can do instead of pull-ups you can do regular body rows you can do trx rows ring rows there are lots of options to train the back instead of just pull-ups so a great question i hope i was able to help with that one question number four this one's a big one I'm gonna spend a bit more time on this What are the difference between training for a marathon versus training for general health goals like strength or fat loss? Is there anything you might do for sport specific training? All right, this is a two part question. That's number one. Second part is what are the benefits of strength training for injury prevention? This person has noticed that they're more injury prone after stopping strength training because they're strictly training Muay Thai and preparing for a fight. Okay, let's go back to the part one. Differences between training for a marathon versus general health goals like strength, fat loss, etc. Okay, again, the answer always starts with it depends. It really depends how far out. Let's use the marathon for an example. It depends on how far out of the competition you are, right? So say there's gonna be a vast difference between you being 12 weeks out from a marathon or three weeks out from a marathon. So always keep that in mind. That's why we have the periodization. That's why you have to be smart with your training. You have to be able to taper appropriately. So, I'd say that actually that's one big thing. That's a main difference between training for an actual event and training just to train for, for life. So if you have an actual event, you have to be so much smarter about it. You have to know how far out you are. You have to know, you have to manage the intensity and volume and frequency of your training much more. Because... If you're 12 weeks out from a marathon, you could probably say you're strength training two to three times a week. That's great. And then if you're 12 weeks out, you could probably still go fairly heavy. But let's say you're now three weeks out. Okay, we probably, maybe we could still train heavy, but you're probably upping the volume and intensity of your running training as well, right? So say you're three weeks out, okay, you probably have to chill a bit either on the intensity or the volume or the frequency. 
one or the other. You can't go ham on all three of those aspects. One of them has to take a back seat. So that's going to depend on your running schedule, your swimming schedule, your strength training schedule. You have to just look at it from a big picture perspective. Like you have to know what you're doing on a weekly basis. Like are you running two times a week or five times a week? Are you swimming one time a week or four times a week? Because that's going to play a big role in what you do in the weight room. As always, because just strength training is the number one, like, base activity. Strength is the number one characteristic. But you never want that strength, you never want that strength training to take away from
Is there anything, this is the same question, is there anything you might do for sports-specific training? All right, so here it is. You're going to hear it from me first, and I'm not the only one who says this. Sports-specific training is not a thing. It is not a real thing. Basically, in the weight room, we're doing performance training if you're an athlete. We're training for performance. We want to improve your performance or your ability to perform. So we want to increase your strength. We want to increase your power, your explosiveness. We want to increase your conditioning, your um, cardiovascular health, strength. And then in terms of sport-specific training, do the sport itself. You're going to get better at the sport by practicing the sport. Yes, of course, increased strength is going to help. But if you want to get better at a sport, you got to play that sport. That's it. That's really it. So, the follow-up to that question. What are the benefits of strength training for injury prevention? I've noticed that I've been more injury-prone after stopping strength training. And I'm strictly training for Muay Thai and preparing for a fight okay so this is another common mistake very common mistake among amateur athletes so they they're in their off season and they do a whole bunch of strength training and they get strong as fuck they build so much power up and then the season comes around and they stop doing the things that help them get to where they are now so you did all this work to get strong and then once the season comes you stop right the common thing is most people are saying oh they want to stop strength training because they want to get faster or they don't want to slow down that's not going to happen unless you let it happen by slacking on your sport training so Yes, I found that this is a common mistake among athletes, among fighters. Strength training needs to be year-round. It needs to be year-round. It's the, it's the basis of all your training. Like, the strength training will carry you. So, strength training needs to be year-round. Year Obviously, again, it needs to be periodized. If you're in your off-season and you have time to train four times a week, great. But now that you're in season and you're doing your sport practice five times a week, you don't need to tra strength train four times a week, but you still need to strength train. I'd bring it down to two days. Two days is the minimum for strength training. If you really need to do one, sure, that's fine. But I'll, I do find that training once a week, you're not able to maintain that strength as well as two days a week you just get detrained so much faster so it needs to be year-round and in the in season yeah of course the intensity you have to base your training around your practices and your game day so say you're playing football and you're playing every saturday you need to be very aware that you're playing on saturday and the training needs to be 
say you train Tuesday and Thursday. Thursday might have to be a lighter day, maybe a little more explosive work so that you're a little, you're feeling spry, you're feeling ready to go. And then Tuesday would be the heavier day where you really keep, where you work on keeping that strength base that's making you so strong and so resilient to injuries, right? This is a really common um, topic and really common mistake that I find athletes make. Because here, here's the scenario. You built up all this strength and then you're going into your season feeling really good because you're stronger because you did all that strength training. And then you stop when the season comes. So you might not immediately feel it. Feel it. You won't immediately feel it. But give it four weeks, give it six weeks when you're getting deeper into the season and you're going to start feeling weaker. You're going to start feeling a little less powerful, a little less explosive. And then give it a couple more weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. And then by the time the playoffs come around or by the time your actual fight comes around, you're nowhere near as strong as you were when you were training consistently. So that's a big thing. Tra strength training needs to be year-round. That's it. There's no, like, there's no way, way around it. It has to be year-round. Again, I'm not saying everyone needs to train four days a week year-round. Some of those months in the season might just be twice a week. Other, we other times in the off-season, three to four times a week is great. So that's it regarding, oh, and strength training for injury prevention. It's, it's simple. You build more armor on your body. Okay, so we're talking about Muay Thai. You're taking hits, like a lot of hits, week in, week out, whether that's just in practice, that's just in sparring, or that's just, or your actual fight. Like you're taking damage. And the more body armor you have on your body like the more muscle the more hypertrophy functional hypertrophy this is why it's functional hypertrophy but anyway the more muscle you have on your body the the better you're going to be able to absorb the impact just imagine like a okay imagine us most of us are regular people and then picture the your favorite nfl player Okay, so you have us and then you have your favorite NFL player who's got a shit ton of muscle on them, who's strong as fuck, who's explosive as fuck, right? So someone, the same guy tackles us. Like someone tackles me and then someone tackles the NFL player. Who do you think is going to hold up better? The NFL player is going to hold up a lot better. And that's not just because he's an NFL player, and he's done this all his life, he's just got more armor on his body. Like, I would get crushed. I would fucking break apart. Like, my back would break. I don't know. Just, like, land in a heap and be over. So body armor is key in terms of injury prevention, but also in terms of if you want to get a little more, if you want to get a little deeper in it, Strength training not only helps you build your muscles, it helps you build and strengthen your tendons and ligaments as well. 
And those are the ones that hold like your muscle to your bone, right? And then it holds your joints together. So strength training not only helps with building muscle, but it'll help you strengthen your tendons and ligaments as well. And in turn, this will hopefully prevent more injury as well. And so that's a super important part and why strength training is always and will always be the granddaddy of training. So I hope that was able to help. So I really do hope that that was helpful. The front squat mobility, the Romanian deadlift technique, the elbow tendonitis, and strength training what differences to take into account when you're training for a sport or just training for life and then also strength training in terms of injury prevention until next week have a good week continue to crush your goals we're in that tail end of october now so it's coming winter's coming christmas is coming oh boy I don't think any of us are prepared for that. So until next time, peace.